Monarch, Legacy of Monsters, an Apple original series. The world is on fire. I decided to do something about it. On November 17th. This place, it's not ours. Believe me. The most massive event of the year arrives. If you come with me, you'll know everything, I promise. Oh my God, go, go, go! Monarch, Legacy of Monsters. Streaming November 17th, only on Apple TV+. Vaginas are absolute magic. And Ollie is here to give them the respect they deserve. That means shame-free supplements made with clinically studied ingredients to keep your pH in check and your pleasure a priority. Put yourself on top. Go to Ollie.com today. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I just want to jump in here with a quick note about some changes that are happening. This podcast is now going ad-supported. What that means is I will be releasing select episodes from the hundreds of episodes I have archived now on Patreon and releasing them here. A lot of these were recorded a couple of years ago, during 2020 especially. However, I have gone through them and deemed that the parenting information was still really relevant. So just be aware that some of these releases may be out of order chronologically. Also, if you would like to listen to the podcast ad-free, you can still join Patreon. I'll still be releasing podcasts there with a few bonuses. One is that it will be ad-free. One will be that you get the podcast slightly earlier than everybody else. And I'll also be doing a bonus episode every month with a Q&A that's patron specific. So if that's something you'd like to do, you can join for a dollar a month and we'll see you there. Thanks, guys. Hey, I'm Jamie Glowacki and you are listening to Oh Crap, I Love My Toddler, But Holy Fuck. This is a podcast for conscious parents who drop the F-bomb a lot. Hey, hey, you guys. Welcome, welcome. Today, I want to talk about resilience, being resilient. So Webster defines resilience as able to become strong, healthy, or successful again after something bad happens. Another definition is the ability to recover from or adjust easily to misfortune or change. And I really like that second definition because I think that's parenting in a nutshell, right? The ability to recover from or adjust easily to misfortune or change. Yeah. Now, certainly, I think we've heard this word in conjunction, particularly with the pandemic, right? We've heard about how resilient we are, how resilient our kids are. And yes, we have been tremendously flexible. I think of resiliency as a form of flexibility, right? We've been tremendously flexible and have adjusted to all kinds of nonsense during this pandemic, for sure. And it has changed our parenting. And I think it's changed our parenting in these subtle ways that maybe most people aren't seeing. I'm seeing it because I'm working so closely with parents in the pandemic and it's changed our expectations. So, you know, I've been peppering in this idea that our expectations have gotten skewed and I think it's gotten skewed over time, certainly, but I think spending so much time with our kids at home have definitely skewed our expectations. And I think it's skewed things because we're exhausted. And so there's certain things that we have no resilience for, right? But there's other things, I think, because we're spending so much time with our kids, because we have this like fear of of kids being behind, this like really bizarre fear, we're having these like really wild expectations. And 
very, very high for our young people. Yeah. It's rooted in this idea of maybe our kids falling behind, but I also think just the nature of the beast is because of the pandemic, we're spending more time on social media because we're home, we have our devices, right? And there's this expectation that it should all go well, right? This expectation that kids will get it, whatever it is, they'll get it on the first time. They'll listen to you on the first time. The idea that parenting just should go really smoothly. And one of the things that happens, I work with families and they're like, I just, I wish my kids were easy. And I look around and I'm like, this is literally every single client I'm working with. I wish uh, my kids were easy. And I don't know that there are easy kids, you guys. There are certainly some kids that are easygoing. Yeah. But I think it's very poignant that every family I work with says this. I wish my kids were easy, right? (sighs) So currently, and I definitely mean in the in the last few months, especially, I'm seeing two very extreme pulls of this pendulum, this parenting pendulum. And I always get nervous when I see huge swings, right? We've seen this historically, this happens. We see a huge swing, then then we have to kind of swing it the other way to come in the middle. One big swing is there is zero distress tolerance. And I do mean zero. And the other weird thing is allowing huge, quote unquote, bad habits. And by bad habits, I mean something you don't like. It doesn't doesn't have to be bad by anybody else's definition, right? It's just something you don't like and allowing it to go on and on and on. And then having zero distress tolerance for the change. So let's take a minute and unpack both of these because this is like sort of a meandering concept, but I promise it'll come full circle. circle. So zero distress tolerance, why it's important to build resilience. Yeah. And of course, when I say distress tolerance, I don't mean true distress, right? I don't mean if your child is, is in pain or is really in distress about something. I'm talking about toddler distress, like, you know, the fallout because you gave them the red cup instead of the blue cup, right? <laughs> so what does this look like? I've mentioned this before, and I think this is really, really important to dig into. When you don't allow your child their feelings and you rush in to fix it, That is zero distress tolerance, both on your part and you're building it on your child's part, okay? We've talked about this, particularly in the go-to-your-room strategy for self-regulation, right? What I see parents doing is rushing to fix their child's distress, thinking they're helping them self-regulate, thinking that they're helping. But when you rush in, think about it even as an adult, when you rush in to change someone's feelings, you are doing the opposite of validating their feelings. You are saying, don't feel that, don't feel that, change that, right? If your friend is crying because their mom died and you rush in to change that feeling, you are being so disrespectful to their grief, right? What's the best thing we can do when somebody's having a strong feeling? Write it out, right? That go to your room strategy. Absolutely feel all your feelings and just feel it in your room and settle your body. 
We are allowing them the feeling, but not, of course, in toddlerhood, not allowing them to dominate and to take over the household with the feeling, to not hold the house hostage with the feeling, because that's what happens, right? They have this fallout in the kitchen, and then everybody's <laughs> everybody's uh, at the mercy of the tantrum, right? We rush in to change this because, you guys, this is just, it's happening, and it's a fact, and we have to look it in the eye because we can't handle it. We can't handle what our child is going through, right? And so not only are we not helping them build resiliency, but we're not. We don't have the distress tolerance and we have to. You guys, I'm telling you right now, you're building skills to help your child be a a healthy adult, right? Like I'm against this magical childhood. It's like childhood is this separate thing. It's stacking. It's stacking skills. It's stacking tolerance. It's stacking distress tolerance, right? But also this is for you, the parent. This is building your skills too, because guess what? It just, it doesn't get harder. It's just the, the problems get bigger, right? As a teenager, I'm dealing with way bigger fish to fry. I'm also dealing with a Pascal's a great kid. Love him. As far as teenagers go, I think I've got I've got the gold standard. He's awesome. He's also a teenager. His brain is changing. I'm getting attitude. I'm getting I'm getting this like more intense kickback, right? You have to build that distress tolerance now because if you can't handle what your 3-year-old is throwing you, guys, how are you going to handle what your 16-year-old is going to throw you, right? So think of this as building your skills too for like as your parenting intensity increases, right? We have to be able to weather out the toddler storms, right? And again, this circles back to those expectations. I've mentioned this before, but it bears repeating because it keeps happening. (laughs) This is a really common thing. So listen, I, by nature, attract a conscious parent, right? If you like my work, if you're here on Patreon, it's because you like care about your parenting. You want a parent in a different paradigm than you were parented. You may not have the skills, but you know you want something different, right? You don't want to be an authoritarian parent. You don't want to be this like power hungry, um, strict, you're going to do it my way. And this is the only way, right? But yet on the regular, I have parents say, no, no, no. I need him to sit still. I need her to do exactly what I tell her without complaint. I need him to listen the first time, right? Listen, you can have this. You can absolutely get this behavior, but you're going to have to be mean as fuck. You're going to have to parent out of fear if you want that behavior. I mean, I even started to expect this of Pascal, right? Because he's almost 15 here. So you get this like beautiful thing around like 10, 11, 12. I always say 11's the holy grail, right? Because at 11, like the synapses are firing. Puberty hasn't hit yet. So you get this like golden couple of years, like a 10, 11, 12, right? And their brain seems to like, all of a sudden you're like, wow, logic. They're like listening to logic. Everything makes sense. You're out of that. You're out of that governing stage. You're in this really lovely gardening stage and it's so awesome. And then you get this teenager. It's just the hormones and the brain and what's happening. It just all stops. And like literally some things that Pascal would just do on his own at 12. Now I have to remind him. And I started to take it like super personally. I was like, oh my God, just like two months ago, I was like, do I really have to tell him this again? And in the last couple of weeks, I've really made peace with the idea that yes, I do. Yes, I do. And this isn't about me. And this isn't about him being disrespectful. Yes, I do have to tell him a hundred times. And 
just relax. Just tell them. You have to tell them a hundred times, right? And so if you want a parent out of fear, go ahead. But if you want this strict, awesome behavior, you're going to have to be a very strict authoritarian parent. And some parents do, yeah? There's a schism here. The more conscious a parent you are, right? The more you believe in your child's feelings and expressing them and validating them, the more distress tolerance you have to have. It's trippy because your child is going to have more. You're going to allow more, right? So you have to adapt well to that. You have to have this resiliency and the, the ability to bounce back. You know, one of the things in the pandemic is we've had to just adjust, 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 adjust. And, and I remember at the very, you know, because it's March, we're looking at, you know, all of us are reflecting on what last year looked like, you know, that week of panic buying, no toilet paper, everything shut down is so bizarre, right? And I remember being so grateful for my obstacle course training because we don't get this. I I don't have to run from a tiger anymore, right? I don't have to, the amount of true distress in my life is pretty fucking low. So the one thing I love about my obstacle course training is we create obstacles. We create these like really big obstacles that we have to somehow mentally or physically get through. And I remember last year being like, whoa, this is like on a really spiritual level. This is where this training comes in for life because everything that was thrown me it was like playing a video game. I was like, all right, shut down. All right, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. This is how we're going to adapt. And I noticed in my parenting work, there were people who had more resiliency and there were people who didn't. There were people March, April, May, even in June, parents still like wailing that like, I don't know how this is going to work. This is impossible. This is impossible. You can't say this is impossible when life throws you these these fucking things. You got to, it's like a video game. You got to shoot them down. You got to get over, you got to get under, you got to figure out a way and be creative. Right. And I see this lack of resiliency right now in some people who just can't, it's like, no, it's this way. And this is the only way. One of the things that was so trippy was parents who got fucked. I mean, no, there's no doubt about it. We as parents got fucked during this whole thing. And I remember parents struggling having a two or three-year-old and they, the parent had to work on Zoom all day long. Remember that? Remember when kids weren't even a consideration, like you just had to make it work and parents were like, well, I need my two-year-old. I'm not doing screen time. I refuse to do screen time and I need my two-year-old to stay busy, you know, near me playing for eight hours while I'm working. And I'm like, dude, that's so not appropriate for their age, right? And I, I, even as a parenting expert, I was like, screen time, it's gotta be screen time. You've gotta keep the child quiet so you can work. And and I had parents just buck up against me, like, no, I'm not doing this. You have to give me another way. And I was like, dude, I don't have another way. You know, we have to, we had to find solutions that were we were uncomfortable with because the situation was crazy. And so when you find yourself just digging in your heels, like, no, it's going to be this way. That's not resilient, right? It's something to kind of keep in mind is if you are the kind of parent who wants to parent consciously and and allow more freedom of expression, by nature, you're going to get more freedom of expression. So you have to build up a distress tolerance for that because it's not always going to be good feelings. And right now where your kid is, they're not going to be able to communicate these beautiful feelings, you know, like 
like that they will when they're 12, 13, 14, then they have these words to express, right? But right now you're just going to see shitty tantrums and behavior and all this craziness, right? But let's unpack the other way this manifests. The pandemic has definitely brought me some very interesting work. And the only thing I can think of is that we were allowing our kids certain wonky behaviors because we didn't have to look at it all day, right? Because we went to work or the kids went to school, but now that they're kind of like right in front of us, I don't know. I got, I got so much. And I, again, I don't like to make this podcast about potty training, but I got so many potty training clients who were five, six years old. They'd been pooping in their pants for years, right? Or five years old and they weren't potty trained. And, and I think the parents had to like look this squarely in the face and be like, oh shit, we need to do something about this, right? Behavior, behavior that had been going on for a long time, a screaming, a screaming with, you know, my kid screams at everything, hitting. But I think a lot of these behaviors, we just didn't have to see. And all of a sudden now we're with our kids 24 hours a day and we're now seeing them. And it, it was like, oh, okay, maybe I need to fix this, right? Then there's other things that came out of the pandemic, these sort of quote unquote bad behaviors that now as it's sort of like in the last few months, we're like, okay, we're kind of getting back to somewhat normal. Kids are definitely back in school and that kind of thing. But now we're looking at too much screen time and we're looking at things like co-sleeping. Co-sleeping was a big one, right? Anxiety, kids were anxious, we were anxious. Everybody jumped into one bed and that was a really common thing. Again, just as a caveat, co-sleeping works for you guys. Rock on. It worked for me and my family. I am a very pro co-sleeping person if it works for every member of your family. If it doesn't work, you don't have to feel guilty about that. So I just want to I just want to put that caveat in. <laughs> and again, bad behavior, quote unquote, because it's just anything you don't like personally. I have said this before, and I'm going to keep saying it because I think it's so important. Don't allow your child to do something that makes you dislike them. So if you are allowing something because you think it's quote unquote right, you think it's quote unquote wrong, (laughs) if you allow it, it will continue. So if you allow your child to do something that makes you dislike them, you are going to build resentment. And I think that is what's happening, right? Is so parents go online, they find some guru, I swear to God, you guys, I'm I'm actually a little bit tired of this, but I am the safety net for Laura Markham and Janet Lansbury, two parenting gurus who are like gentle parenting in like some other universe where kids listen to everything that you say. <laughs> and what happens is all my parenting clients are like, I tried, I tried to work with them and I couldn't, my kids are so bad. And I don't, I just think their stuff is unrealistic, but I won't, I won't bad. But anyway, well, no, I will badmouth them because I pick up the pieces after people have struggled with their philosophies. But anyway, a lot of what happens with these like, quote unquote, gentle parenting gurus is parents, parents try it and and you end up allowing your child to do something that you don't like because supposedly it's right. I get parents who are exhausted because they're supposed to attend to every feeling your toddler has. Your toddler is a mass of brain development right now. They are a hot 
fucking mess. And if you stop and attend to every feeling that your child has, you will be drained. Not only that, but you will be teaching your child to be the most special snowflake on the planet because feelings aren't right. Feelings are just feelings. They You ride the wave. They're like contractions, man. You ride that wave. And so feelings are only feelings. They're through our lens and the toddler. The toddler's lens is crazy, you guys, right? So what will happen is if you allow your child to do all these things or you you try to parent in a way that drains you, you're going to build resentment, right? And again, we have this notion that I, I need to do it right. I need to do it right, right? Within a ver- fairly broad spectrum here, br- uh, broad context, right or wrong is only based on your value system, period. And you have to be strong, you have to be resilient when the world throws you shit about that, period. Even co-sleeping. I co-slept in a time when everybody thought co-sleeping was going to make the child die. And I was like, nah, the rest of the globe co-sleeps. I'm fine with co-sleeping with a baby. And I had to push back. People were like, no, 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 the American pediatrics, blah, blah, blah. You know, you're going to kill your kid. And I was like, no, the incidences of kids being in harm's way of co-sleeping is when the parents like drunk or, or really high and I'm not. So <laughs> anyway, you have to be strong and resilient against the world with your value system, right? But you have to also check in and say, is my kid pissing me off, right? I- Monarch Legacy of Monsters, an Apple original series. The world is on fire. I decided to do something about it. On November 17th. This place, it's not ours. Believe me. The most massive event of the year arrives. If you come with me, you'll know everything, I promise. Oh my God, go, go, go! Monarch Legacy of Monsters, streaming November 17th, only on Apple TV+. I've had so many parents reach out to me in the last year. How do I change X, Y, and Z behavior? How do I change X, Y, and Z behavior? How do I get my kid to stop pooping in their pants? How do I get to stop co-sleeping? How do I give up the binky? How do I stop the screaming? How do I stop picky eating? How do I get my kid to eat new foods, right? These kinds of things. Listen to me, because this is everything. What you allow continues, okay? Hear that again. What you allow continues. And please take all your guilt, all your emotion out of it. What you allow continues. And I, it's so funny because we mess this up with our kids, all of us. And I have a dog trainer for my puppy and he is, the dog trainer just looks at me and it's so funny because he actually has a two-year-old. So <laughs> so we're just trading because he has no idea what to do with his two-year-old. And I'm like, it's just like the puppy. And he's like, okay, the puppy's just like a two-year-old. <laughs> so It's very simple. He says, you know, if you allow him, like, so for example, we're working on Maverick being off leash and on voice command, you know? And he said, well, listen, all it takes is once, if he is off leash and our command is Maverick here, and then when he starts to come, you go, yes, right? And then he gets a treat and he's real good about it. But now we're starting, you know, puppies uh, go quickly, right? So he's quickly testing the boundaries with me. And what it takes is like one or two times for him to not listen to that here and the command is gone. It's that basic. One or two times and the command is lost. He's no longer under my voice control, right? That's fucked up. 
But that's exactly what happens with our kids. One or two times and you've lost the command, right? So, but with puppies, we don't overcomplicate it. It's like, oh, right, of course, like they're not that smart, right? So it's like, you got to do the thing consistently, consistently. And if you want to change a behavior, you have to change the behavior. You can't be in limbo, right? And I just love this. He told me this, the last training, he was like, listen, there's too many dog owners who leave their dog in limbo. It's either pleasing behavior or it's not, right? And so I thought, wow, that's a really cool, like I talk about the power wand, like either the power wand is never sitting on the table, right? Never sitting on the table. The child has it. And if the child doesn't have it, you have it. It's never just floating there. But I feel like this way, it's a new lens for me to look at with behavior. It's it's either quote unquote good or quote unquote bad. And I don't like those words, right? But But there's no limbo. And a lot of parents are in this limbo zone with behavior, right? Where they're, how they're uh, treating the behavior. So just, it's just an interesting way to think about it. What you allow continues, right? So allowing any sort of behavior that you dislike, it's going to continue. You have to stop it, right? And I think parents know this. They know that if they allow it, they continue. And that, you know, you might be thinking, well, yeah, duh, like that's why I'm coming to you. That's why I'm paying you because I don't want it to continue, you know, and I want some, some tips, right? But here's the thing that I'm seeing. And this is, this is exactly why, let me take a quick potty training tangent. This is exactly why I'm against put the potty chair out so they can get used to it, right? Because it's not that your child has to get used to the potty chair. They are used to all kinds of crazy plastic shit and fun. Like the exercise is more crazy than the potty chair. What I don't like about put the potty chair out so they can get used to it is there is this secret underlying hope that if I just put it out, maybe they'll just start to use it and I don't have to do this potty training thing. And if you look really closely, that's why most parents put the potty chair out so they can get used to it, right? So what you allow continues, you know this, but there's this secret underlying hope that it can be easy. And you know how I know this? And I, there's one phrase that comes to mind. And of course you might feel called out, but I want you to be called out in a gentle way, in a, in a humorous way. Do you have any tips for, do you have any tips for, right? <laughs> and again, I'm, I'm poking the bear here, but in a very light, lighthearted way. So we can start to really look at ourselves, right? This is so right widespread that it just needs to be said. There's a red flag when somebody says, do you have any tips for, because it's crazy the amount of the the behaviors that people want to change with some tips. Like number one, this always happens, right? And it happens sometimes on podcasts. Hey, do you have any tips on potty training? Yeah, fuckers. I wrote a whole book. (laughs) I have a lot of tips to help make it go easy, but guess what? It's still a miserable milestone. Some people kind of, you know, it goes quickly for them, but for a lot of people, it still kind of sucks. You know, house training my puppy still kind of sucked, but yeah, you know, Do you have tips for co-sleeping? I'll go back to co-sleeping because that was a huge one. People started co-sleeping during the pandemic and they were like, do you have any tips for getting my child back to bed? Yeah, put them back in bed. Yes, you're gonna have a miserable 
night. There's going to be a miserable couple of nights probably, right? Do you have any tips for giving up the pacifier? Yes, get rid of the pacifier. It's going to be miserable for a couple of nights, but you have to do it, right? Do you have any tips for, you know, introducing new foods or stopping picky eating? And again, I've talked about that. Yeah, you might have to sit through some distress tolerance. It might get ugly, you know, that your kid might throw a fit if they're used to getting sugar at three o'clock and you don't give them a sugar. It might be, it might be miserable, right? But there's no tips to make it easy. So again, and this isn't always the case. Of course, we do have tips to make, to try to make it easier. But generally speaking, you're just going to have to stop the thing that you've been allowing. Now, of course, there's more complicated situations. Like, do you have any tips? Oh my God. People will ask me this on Instagram and it blows my mind. My kid's been pooping in his pants for two years. Do you have any tips to help him stop? Oh my God. No, that's like a huge fix, you guys. That's like two months of work, right? Like if you've been allowing something for two years and you want tips to make it easier, I'm telling you right now, you have to be resilient. You're going to have to build up your distress tolerance because it's going to take time, right? I work with parents recently. There's just been such low distress tolerance. And of course, maybe this is because we're just fucking exhausted after the pandemic, right? Like that's totally possible. But there's this low resiliency in parents. And so we'll be working on something like, say, pooping a kid pooping in his pants for two years and parents will start working with me. And three days in, they're crying. I, I can't even count the times where people are like, I'm just so deflated that this is still going on. And I'm like, you came to me with a two-year habit and now you want it changed in three days. That's astounding to me. That is an astounding expectation, right? Or your child has been, you know, throwing epic tantrums, you know, for a year and you come to me and we're working it and I have parents crying, devastated. I hear these words, deflated, devastated, so strung out. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. And they're like, but you don't understand. I've been dealing with this for a year. Yeah, I get it, but I can't change that in three days, right? So know that when you're shaping, molding behavior, a lot of times there is. There's like a, with food, with sleep, sometimes those are just like, yeah, you're going to have to sit this out. You're going to have to wait it out while the child is working through it, right? But get off the emotional roller coaster, you guys. If you're three, four, five-year-old, and I'm talking about, you know, within range of fairly normal here, if you're devastated, if you're deflated, if you're emotionally wrecked, you got to work on your own resiliency. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes that is just adapting to change. Parenting is a long haul. Yeah. It's a long haul. It never ends. There is no finish line. You guys, you know, you might be super proud the day your child graduates high school, graduates college, you know, you might be in the clear for some things, but you're never going to stop parenting. You're never going to stop worrying. I am 52 years old and my mother tries to tell me shit. And I'm like, oh my God, she's still parenting me because <laughs> yeah? there's no end. And guess what? There are no fucking trophies. Yeah. You are going to crash and burn. There will be epic fuck ups for sure. There is no right or wrong, except in the framework of your own family values, right? But we have to have that resiliency, the ability to recover from or adapt easily to change, right? We have to become strong, healthy, and successful after something bad happens. And that can be you cut the sandwich into triangles instead of squares, 
all the way to, you know, a family member dying. Yeah. Resiliency is this spectrum, but we need to model it for our kids, right? So we can build it in our kids. If you have no distress tolerance, your child will not have it either. So for me, the visual that I hold on to, and I, I share this with my clients and with you guys here on Patreon, I think of it as surfing, right? You just got to ride the waves. There are going to be good waves and there are going to be bad waves, you know, and you are, you're going to come crashing down. Now I surf, even if you don't surf, I think you've probably seen enough surfing on television to get the, the, the analogy here. But ride, what I'm finding is that people just feel like the good waves should last forever. And they don't. The nature of the beast is up and down. That's just life, right? It's push-pull. It's always going to be there and know that. So when you're looking at your own behavior here, right, which we're always trying to do, when we're looking at our own distress tolerance and our own resiliency, we have to remember that, that the good times aren't going to last, And the good times are all the sweeter because of the bad times, right? And again, range of behavior, if you're just dealing with tantrums or if you're dealing with like huge, epic, life-changing hardships. So surf the wave, but know that it has to end and you have to crash and you have to, you're going to get hit in the back of the head with the surfboard. (laughs) You're going to, you're going to ride the wave and and you're going to get water up your nose and it's not always pleasant, but it's super fun. Why do we keep going out there? Because riding that wave is so great, right? So just remember that and remember that this is almost when your child is reacting really strongly, this is almost never about you. Even if they say the words, I hate you, you're so awful, you're so mean, this is never about you. And it's really been poignant. I just... It's funny because the older my child gets, the more, you know, the farther away from your kid's age I get or the people I work with. But the similarities between teenagers and three-nagers are so similar in just this pull away. I tell you, like I said at the beginning of this this podcast, I just recently in the last like month, I've, I've just had to really chill out. This isn't me. This is my child's brain. This is my child figuring stuff out. And yes, I am going to have to deal with like his shitty attitude has nothing to do with me. It has to do everything with how his brain is developing right now, how his um, person is developing right now. And I have to roll with it. I have to roll with it. And remember, this is not about me. Yeah, I think it's just, it's remarkable how they're pulling away from us. And I I read this thing a long time ago about teenagers, and I actually think it really applies to three-year-olds too, which is they have to know it all. They have to be know-it-alls because if they knew how much they don't know, they wouldn't be able to go out into the world. They'd be crushed. So like it's by nature's design that teenagers and three-year-olds have to know it all and have to do it themselves because if they understood how much they didn't know, they'd be crushed. So I just thought that was a really poignant way of looking at it. I also think of it as being a boxer. Like I'm always kind of on my toes, right? And I'm ready to bob. I'm ready to weave. I'm ready to handle whatever I get thrown because it's not going to stay the same. And I get this all the time. Well, last week they did fine. And I don't understand why this week it's different. I'm like, dude, it's just different. They're throwing you an uppercut. And last week it was something else, you know? So we just have to be 
I love that that this idea of resiliency tied into flexibility, right? The ability to bounce back, the ability to be flexible and roll with the punches and get on that surfboard, ride the waves and accept the fact that you are going to crash and burn and it's okay. Just, just get back on again and ride the next wave. All right, you guys, as always, rock on. I appreciate your patronage more than I can say. I love the questions you guys give me. Keep being awesome. All right, I'm going to sign off for today. You can always go to jamieglowacki.com for the super cool latest updates, including the launch of my new book, Yummy New Book Presale Treats, when we release new episodes, and how to work with me directly. And of course, if you need any potty training help, there's a handy link there that will take you to all my potty training resources, including all my courses. That's the Oh Crap Potty Training online course, my pooping solutions course, and my night training supplement. And if you need additional help, how to book with a certified Oh Crap consultant. That's all at jamieglowacki.com. Have a beautiful day and rock on.